0: Welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny & Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny & Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry going. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode three, we sit down with Marcus Craig, the CEO of Blue Refuge. We discuss Marcus's background, how he got started in the industry, and how Blue Refuge is providing a solution to one of the greatest tragedies of our time, mass shootings. Marcus also has some incredible advice for anyone who is aspiring to be a leader and to anyone who is just graduating from college. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend or a colleague. And if you can rate our show, that would really help us out as well. We think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So let's drop in. All right, welcome everyone to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we are sitting down with Marcus Craig. Marcus, welcome to the show.
1: Jim, great great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. So for anyone who's listening to this episode at a later date, today is May 20th, 2020. We are still in the middle of this weird coronavirus pandemic. It's had a major impact on the economy and in our industry, of course. So I promise this podcast episode is not going to be about the coronavirus pandemic. I think there's plenty of content out there for that. Everyone's probably sick of hearing it by now. But, uh, is just curious, I mean, how have you and your family been adjusting just over the last couple of months?
1: Yeah. So, so we've been, we've been doing well, you know, I think, uh, we're just weathering the storm like everybody else. Um, but, uh, like most people, I think we're getting a little stir crazy, right? So, uh, here in Georgia, things have opened up in the past, uh, couple of weeks. And so we've, we've embraced that. And so we're, we're ready to, uh, Ready to get out and about, but we're doing well. How about you? How about you and your family? Yeah,
0: we're doing good. We're doing good. Just adjusting to the uh, the new schedules, right? My my daughter's not going to going to daycare, so she's at home twenty four seven. So if, if you guys hear a baby crying in the background, that's what's going on. Uh, you know, my my wife is in her uh, fifth year of a PhD program, so she's not going to she's teaching classes online. So we're all just adjusting to these new schedules. But you know, we're down here in Tallahassee, Florida. So the state of Florida starting to open up a little bit as well. And uh, I went to the gym for the first time in like two months. So that was like, that was a big deal. <laughs> nice. And it's just kind of, it's, uh, it's putting everything into perspective. So, all right, Marcus, so I know a lot of our audience is already going to know who you are, but for the very few people in the industry that don't know who you are, can you give us an idea of your background?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, so as I, as I talk through my background, I think it's important to kind of reflect on, you know what. What decisions or choices kind of got me to where I'm at today? So I'll I'll kind of start where I I guess I was originally going, and and as as I went into college, and and then that will kind of lead to you know kind of how I got to Blue Refuge. But uh, so I wanted to be an attorney, uh, headed into college, and was pre-law, and uh, you know I had a dad who was an entrepreneur who always encouraged me to have at least kind of a business background. Um, and so I started, started in kind of the, the, the pre-law, but then business background mindset. And I had an opportunity to start my own business. It wasn't anything glamorous in college. It was just some summer work. But I'll tell you, Jim, that really gave me a taste for sales and for business ownership. And 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 I really started to gravitate toward that. And I had a professor in, in, in college at TCU who said that sales of any position sales led to the CEO position more than anything else. And and that sales is also the closest thing to running your own business. And so I quickly shifted um, out of kind of the pre-law track into more of the business and sales track. And so right out of college, I worked for an Esco. Um, It was a company that was later acquired by Schneider, but I did Esco sales for about five years and really enjoyed it. And then from there, I decided to pursue an entrepreneurial opportunity, a small business opportunity with my dad in Florida. And I got some great kind of small business leadership experience there. And as we kind of looked to sell that business, I got back into the ESCO business in Florida and spent a couple of years, two or three years with an ESCO there. And, uh, and had kind of an interesting experience uh, there. I uh, had the opportunity to kind of observe, um, you know, maybe what not to do um, from an ESCO model standpoint. And, and I don't really mean that in, in a negative way. I just mean that you can learn from really good situations, and sometimes you can learn from, from maybe negative situations. And so that learning actually kind of paved the way as I went to Schneider in 2011 uh, as a, in a, in a leadership position as a sales manager. Um, and then of course spent a number of years there. Um, and that leadership experience that I got at Schneider really paved the way for where I'm at with Blue Refuge today. Okay.
0: And before we get into Blue Refuge, which we definitely want to touch on that, you mentioned the the role that you stepped into in 2011 being leadership. What was attractive to you about going down the leadership track and, and can you just kind of walk our audience through how you landed there and maybe some of your your lessons learned along the way
1: yeah, absolutely so I, I think what's attractive about leadership is the opportunity of influence and impact you know and and so sometimes as an individual contributor, you don't get that um, you you can but in a broader leadership position, you have an opportunity to build something and and i've in different leadership positions that I've had throughout my life, I've loved that opportunity of building something and leading and impacting and influencing. And so, you know, as, as I came to Schneider, Jim, I'll never forget, I was watching this, this kind of onboarding HR video that, you know, that everybody watches. Uh, and it was a management kind of training video. And it said, I'll never forget this because I wrote it down. On, on, a, on a sticky note, it said, a highly engaged, highly positive team environment creates highly productive employees. And I thought, I, I hit pause on that video, and, I, and again, I wrote that down, and, and again, it's a highly engaged, highly positive team environment creates highly productive employees. And so I really focused on that, and I focused on, well, how do you go do that? How do I actually apply that? How do I create that type of environment And so I became, that kind of led to me becoming a voracious leader on the topic of leadership itself. And so I I started to kind of digest, you know, the John Maxwell's, the Dave Ramsey's, Kuntz and Posner's Leadership Challenge, uh, a a pastor that I followed named Chip Ingram, and, and I focused on applying those concepts. You know, John Maxwell says, everything hinges on leadership. So I made a commitment to... Not just reading books, but truly trying to absorb them and apply them. As these guys were basically my mentors and my leadership coaches, and so I'd take two or three concepts from these books and really try to implement them. And and another another individual that I admire, and Jim, you know me, I'm I'm a big big on quotes, and and a, a, a late Jim Roan said, "Wisdom uninvested in labor is wasted." And so I I took that to heart, and I really tried to apply that into leadership and create that highly engaged highly positive team environment
0: you know i think it's important to note here too that um the application of what you're reading because i think it's it's very easy to just get caught up in finishing a book put it on your shelf and checking it off the list okay i finished a book but what are you applying right so i I just wanted to pause and and really make note of that and that's something that I mean, shoot, I need to do a better job of because I think sometimes I I really enjoy reading and I get a lot out of it. But, you know, what are those one or two things that you can really take and apply to your to your life at home or at work or whatever it is? So really just pausing for a moment and try to absorb. That information, I think that's uh, that's awesome. So let's transition here to uh, to Blue Refuge. You landed there, and I think a lot of people are going to know Schneider Electric, but uh, not as many people are going to know Blue Refuge. So can you just uh, give just a brief background on Blue Refuge, and maybe just a little bit of the story and how you landed there?
1: Yeah, sure. So from a background standpoint, um, you know, I, I was contacted by the founder in in late 2018, a gentleman by the name of Tom DeClue and you know tom tom basically looked across the landscape of america and 2018 as you may recall jim was was the year of the most school shootings that we've had to date and tom was just really kind of disenchanted with the lack of activity going on in schools to address this and so he he's an outside the box thinker and he said hey we we've got to do something and and when i met tom our values aligned uh, we connected very easily and we both had this vision of making a big impact in the lives of youth and teachers uh, in schools across America, and and our vision was to be a change agent, and, and I love I love that word that that, that that idea of being a change agent, and so we wanted to really move the needle. All the trends, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware, but all the trends are still very negative around suicide, uh, anxiety, depression. Uh, not only in our teenagers, but now we're seeing all of that in the preteen years. And then, of course, there's violence that that can be correlated with that, with with mental health decline. And so we had this vision of making a a really big impact and and restoring, our mission is to restore peace of mind to schools. So when you look at Blue Refuge, we focus on comprehensive school safety from the inside out. And And from the inside out, in and of itself kind of has a a dual meaning. And inside out means that we start inside the mind of our youth and our kids. And we really focus on the core issue of mental health. And that's the first area that we engage in the first area that we want to make a big impact in. And then the other meaning of inside out is a lot of folks don't realize that the majority of violent threats for schools come from within. And there's actually a stat out there that says 95% of school shootings come from within, meaning that they come from people who are supposed to be in the building, students that are supposed to be in the building. And so we want to take mental health and training and technology, and we really want to address the inside-out threat and do it holistically and, and comprehensively.
0: What you just laid out there is is impossible to argue with. I mean, who doesn't want a solution for their school to, to reduce these tragedies that are happening? Now, I can also understand just through your history in, in sales and you know growing in the industry that not everybody that you meet with is 100% receptive to the idea. So what are some of the challenges and hurdles that you guys are running into, not only with the stakeholders on the K-12 school district side, but also maybe touch on some of the ESCO partners that you guys are looking to build out? So again, I would imagine it's, it's tough to um, just immediately implement these solutions. So can you maybe just walk us through what some of the objections are that you're running into and how you guys are able to you know, really implement some of these solutions long term?
1: Sure, sure. So I think I think a lot of it is is as with any business and this is related to the Esco business. A lot of it is client education um and trying to help schools and and leaders in the K12 industry understand uh what the the research and evidence shows on school violence and mental health and threats and the majority of schools, what we found, and, and this, isn't, this isn't a negative thing, it's just one aspect of it, but the majority of schools are investing in external security, um, in the threat coming in from outside, whether that's fencing or vestibules or access control, video surveillance. And, and, and I want to I make sure that I'm clear that those things are great. You have to have a layered security approach. Uh, but we try to get folks to realize what can be done from a prevention standpoint okay from mental health and from training and response tactics and 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 what can be done from a technological standpoint that that brings alert and awareness you know part part of the technology we have is unfortunately this generation's fire alarm is is lockdown alarm and alerting right? Um, You and I, Jim, we grew up getting in line for fire alarms and drills and everything like that. Well, now that needs to be done from kind of an internal external threat and lockdown standpoint. So I think part of our challenge of of the objections we get is just helping folks understand what the research and evidence shows in terms of the real threat and how you can prevent that. You know, and from an ESCO standpoint, um, obviously, you know, I know that business very well. The majority of my career was in the ESCO business. A lot of our team has ESCO background. And so we understand what ESCOs are doing and how they're approaching their clients and the value they're trying to bring and how a lot of times it's outcome-based. So we're trying to, as we engage ESCOs, try to say, hey, look, we can, we can help you. You know, prior to the pandemic, safety and security is the number one topic with school, right? I mean, it's the number one issue. So, hey, we can help you uh, further provide a solution in that area and, and broaden your offer to your to your client base um, and bring in some subject matter expertise in, in that area and, and really differentiate you you know in, in the marketplace and so um, so that's kind of been our approach and of course there are challenges and hurdles that come with that uh, but but uh, like anything else I think we can overcome them
0: yeah I think that's a perfect transition point to to really tie in our audience here, anybody involved in energy performance contracting or building efficiency and the greater ESCO market as a whole. So I know one of the trends that we've been seeing just over the last couple of years, and we've seen case studies for public private partnerships or what's oftentimes referred to as P3. And that's kind of where we see the industry going and where a lot of our clients see the industry going. So, you know, as you guys take the the Blue Refuge model and the way that you guys are building this out, the value that you're bringing to your stakeholders there. How is Blue Refuge positioned to participate in the P3 discussion moving forward? Let's say we're sitting here two, three years from now. What will the solution look like three years from now versus today? So I know I'm asking you to dust off your crystal ball, but I'd be curious to hear your take on it.
1: Yeah, sure. So to your point, Jim, I I think that the P3 model is going to continue to advance. Um, there's a number of benefits to it, right? It offers ease of procurement. Um, It offers financial solution um, through the as a service model, right? Um, It it offers a compilation of expertise, whether that's energy efficiency or security or IT, but it really gives this kind of overall strategic alignment with clients and and offering multifaceted outcome-based results. And and so it's really kind of that, that ESCO approach on steroids. And, and where we can fit into that is, is really simple. It's, it's very similar to how we fit into the, to the ESCO Is we can, we can be a key component of that safety security offer. I, I think what you're finding and seeing obviously in the P3 side is the more comprehensive of, of a P3 effort where it touches a lot of different industries and solutions and aspects and expertise Uh, the more robust it is, right? And so we can can be a key component of that. And our model at Blue Refuge, our model is built around being this outcome-based, long-term service and solution and package. And so we would actually fit very nicely into that. And so as the P3 model continues to grow and advance, I think you're going to see more technology, right, infused into that and we would fit nicely in there from a health, safety, and security standpoint. Um, and, and we're already engaging in, in some of those conversations, but uh, but it seems definitely as though that is the direction uh, that the public sector is heading.
0: Much-needed solution, without a doubt. And I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. And for those of you who are interested, we'll include a link to the Blue Refuge website in the show notes. So as we wrap things up here, we want to transition into uh, – We call the core four here on the Building Efficiency Podcast, the four questions that we ask to every guest who comes on. So if you're driving in your car or you're running on the treadmill right now, either pull over or hop off the treadmill and get ready to take some notes because I'm sure Marcus is going to have some very valuable information here. So first up, Marcus, what are your daily non-negotiables?
1: Uh, Yeah. So first of all, Jim, thanks for setting the bar really high there uh, for for these answers. easy questions uh, on the Building Efficiency uh, Podcast. That's
0: right.
1: That's right. So daily non-negotiables, you know, Jim Rohn, uh, again, a guy that I mentioned before, he has a quote that says, you run the day or the day runs you. Okay. And so mornings are of utmost importance to me. And so I, I like to get up early and for me uh my faith is is my priority and so i spend time reading the bible and praying first and then i look at i look at my whole day and what my my daily objectives and my goals are and that might be in a number of areas um obviously work right uh but then also health and fitness and family and and of course faith and and i look at how am i going to kind of attack the day so my daily non-negotiables are really getting in that right mindset and frame of mind as as I begin each day. And so I love I love words like, you know, intentional and phrases and purpose driven. So you got to attack each day very intentionally. Um, and that translates, of course, to weeks and then months and then quarters and years. But uh, but it starts uh, with every day.
0: So let's rewind the clock. You're graduating from TCU you're 22 years old, you're plotting your ascent to the top of the business world. What advice would you give to your 22-year-old self?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, it's probably the same advice I would give to any college grad today. Um, You know, first of all, I would say, hey, keep your priorities in check, you know, uh, be it faith, family, work, whatever it is. Uh, Just make sure that, that you have kind of that That prioritization of of what's most important. Um, You know, secondly, um, I think a key question that you have to ask is, who are you becoming? Um, There's a a pastor I listen to named Chip Ingram, and he talks about, it's not about what are you doing, what are you accomplishing, but ask the question, who am I becoming? And so that that causes you to really think long-term, you know, and there's ideas around, sacrifice now or regret later. And I'll tell you that this is a key area for me. And it goes into kind of back to even the daily non-negotiables, but you've got to develop good habits. If there's advice that I would give people as you're coming out of college, it's develop good habits. There's actually research that shows that the habits you develop in college will last you likely your lifetime. And so if you need to reshape those or if you need to augment some of those, but really, really develop good habits. Um, if I can take a moment to kind of expand on that, uh, Jim, my, my wife gave me a book a few years ago uh, called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And Darren basically takes that idea of building in good habits and how just building in good daily habits impacts the entire trajectory of your life it impacts your decisions it impacts your choices and so I cannot emphasize that enough of building in good habits and having that that long-term outlook of of who am i becoming and and this idea of pursuing excellence you know I, I always kind of look at it as you know, I want to become who God designed me to be. And so who who am I, how am I advancing in that direction? And a lot of time, it, it's built in those small decisions around habits that you're incorporating in your life. And then, you know, from a career standpoint, um, I'll tell you what, what I tell folks, college grads that I interview and have interviewed over the past few years is, you know, really focus on the success your first three years out of college. You know, um, how can you just explode out of the gate, um, right out of school and make an impact. And if you do that, if you surpass your peers, okay, and you make an enormous impact on your company right out of the gates, um, you're going to have numerous opportunities, not only internal to that company um, and leadership opportunities that open up, but you'll have opportunities external to that organization. And so that's, that's really important. And you know, in today's world, I don't think we talk about this enough. But if you're if you're a college grad coming out, I think a question you can answer yourself is, you know, how do I go above and beyond for my manager? How do I how do I actually make my manager look good in his or her role? And and if you kind of come in with that mindset, I think the sky's the limit. You know, and and lastly. Um, and you can tell, Jim, I, I could spend a long time on this topic uh, because I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. But lastly, you know, there's, there's an implied idea of, of work ethic in this, right? Um, you've got to really work hard. My parents always instilled in me, you know, hey, if you work really hard, and, and I love the word diligent, if you are diligent in what you do, you're going to get results. Um, and so that would be something I would encourage, you know, obviously someone of any age, but, uh, but lastly, maybe find a mentor, you know, coming out of, of, school, um, try to find someone a few years older than you, or even a couple of decades older than you that has great character and integrity and, and that you want to emulate and, and model. And if you can't find that, that individual, then, then find them in books. Okay. Um, so that was a, that was a long answer, but I think it's a, it's a critical approach, especially as people are coming out of school.
0: Yeah. It's especially timely too, right? We're sitting here May 20th. A lot of people are graduating right now. So I feel like we need to just copy and paste that clip and uh, send it out to every graduating senior right now. So, uh, no, that's great advice and thanks for sharing. And the next question here that kind of builds on the last two is what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: Yeah. So, uh, that's easy. Um, I've, I've mentioned my faith, uh, but, but also a motivator is, you know, really my family, uh, my family's security and future. I mean, that's, that's probably what drives me. I've got a wife and I've got four, uh, small kids, uh, young children. And, and so that's, that's really my motivator there. And then, uh, you know, otherwise, as, as I alluded to at, at the top of the call, um, I really want to make a, an impact and do, you know, meaningful work. And that's what I love about Blue Refuge is we truly look at it, Jim, as though we have an opportunity to save lives. You know, we have an opportunity to, to make a big impact. And, and so that's exciting. That's exciting to, uh, to, to, to get out of bed and go to work too. And then, you know, I, I'd say finally, um, I'm motivated by trying to create a company, a place where people love to work. Um, I would love to create a culture where people thrive and where people are excited to go to work and, and we can draw people in and, and, uh, and employees really value, uh, the opportunity to work for Blue Refuge. And that, that's a big motivator to me as well.
0: All right. Last question before we let you get out of here, what do you want your lasting legacy to be?
1: Well, uh, yeah, deep, deep questions, here. <laughs> deep questions here, Jim. Absolutely. Um, so first you know from a legacy standpoint you know I'd have to say it would be um, character integrity are are the most important so I would want to be known as a man who walked with God and my life uh, reflected that you know and and that translates into you know impact and influence that I would have on my wife and kids that they would feel loved and cherished and that that ultimately I influenced them and led them in a very positive way, um, as they go throughout, uh, life. Um, you know, and then after my family, I'd, I'd love to make, um, a big difference just on, on society, right. Is to leave that, that lasting impact and influence and, And to, as I I mentioned earlier, to become who God designed me to be and really, really leave a stamp on not only my family, but community and society uh, in a positive way. So um, I think that's I think that's what I would want my legacy to be. Um, But, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect way to uh, to round out our episode here. So, Marcus, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Jim, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I love what you're doing with this show and uh, and everything Nanny's doing as well. So thanks again. I really appreciate it.
0: Got it. Thanks, Marcus. All right. So there you have it. Episode three with Marcus Craig, CEO of Blue Refuge. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know I did. And if you got value out of this conversation, consider subscribing to the channel, leaving a review or sharing with a friend or a colleague. Until next time, I'm your host, Jim Schaefer, and we hope you tune in to our next episode dropping next week.